Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we, we thank you and we praise you for your just goodness to us this morning. Thank you for bringing us all here. And Father, help us to fall more in love with you today as we, we hear your word. Father, give me um, the ability to communicate what you would have to say to the people today. And Father, make much of yourself and little of me. But, but Father, glorify the name of your son, Jesus, as we, we worship him through the word. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, let's give a big hand to Jason. He's doing a great job on the drums. I, I'm really proud of him. He, he didn't know how to play drums, and he learned how to play drums, so we'd have a drummer. So he's doing a great job. So thank you, Jason. Um, well, huh? No, you're doing good. Uh, well, well, good morning. It's, it's good to be here today with my, my brothers and sisters. If you're new today, my name is uh, Ken, and... Uh, uh, I'm one of the founding pastors of, of Crosswinds Church. Uh, when John and I, uh, John Stillman and I, the lead pastor myself, started Crosswinds, we wanted people who did not know God to discover God in this place. And you know, in the last 17 years, we have baptized 140 new disciples here at Crosswinds. See, our goal was not to swap sheep with other churches uh, our, and other ministries, but to help um, new people who are far from God discover a relationship with God, and uh, uh, that's not working. <laughs> um, and we so we came up with a, a simple mission statement to do that. And and uh, you know it's, what's neat is a lot of the people that we've trained are now worship pastors, and some are pastors, and and uh, serving in other places, and, and people have moved into other churches in other states because we're in a transitional community, and so we've been able to spread the gospel that way. But our, our simple mission statement was this, helping every family discover God, his love, and his ways. Let's say that together. Helping every family discover God, his love, and his ways. Awesome. Well, we're in a series called Moving Forward in Faith and Faithfulness, and my desire is for everybody here to know the mission. Because when we have unity and purpose and alignment, God can release his power to do amazing things. And our, our mission is based on two statements by Jesus. One was his great commandment of God. And I do have a chocolate bar today for anybody new. We're not going to go back to the old people. So somebody new that can uh, stand up and recite uh, the great commandment of God. I'll even put the words on the screen. Do we have a volunteer? Okay, Jonah, have you gotten a candy bar yet? You did. Okay, I'll let you do it, though. Go ahead. Stand up. Okay, good, good. Well, uh, I've got a chocolate bar for you, even though you read it. <laughs> no, you did good. Let's give him a big hand, Mr. Goodbar. So come on up here, Jonah. How, how about somebody new that hasn't done it yet? Can anybody stand up? And, and, and it's on the board. You can do it. try to do it from memory, but it's on the board. Anybody else? Okay, Nigel, you're going to do it as our prayer leader. You're going to get a candy bar today. Awesome. Here you go, Nigel. Let's give him a big hand. 
Now, Disney sounds great with that South African accent. You know, it just sounds, uh, that just sounds so much more intelligent than when I say it. Anyways, um, then there's the Great Commission of God, um, which gives the church purpose in every generation. And I have another candy bar for anybody who can recite it. Anybody can stand up and recite the Great Commission. Annika, you almost had it the other day. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know the gist of it. I'm, I'm going to give her a, a candy bar for the gist. Could you take that back to Annika? Okay. It, it is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, um, I have one more candy bar. Anybody who can... We did the mission statement all together in the beginning. Who can stand up and say our mission statement? But the, a new person we haven't given one to. So anybody who can stand up and say our mission statement? Ryan? Okay. Awesome. Let's hear it for Ryan. Good job, Ryan. And I'm not responsible if you don't do well at your first track meet because giving you the chocolate. Okay. <laughs> so you'll have to... Uh, he burns, like, he run, what, 50 miles this week you ran? So he'll burn that off in <laughs> no time, okay. Um, well, one of the ways we are trying to live out our mission is praying for our neighbors. Um, and we're using an app called Bless Every Home. You can sign up through the QR code on the screen there. And I'm so proud of our congregation. So far, 17 people have signed up, and they've started praying. And in just a couple weeks, we've do- adopted 481 homes, we have prayed for 421 of them, total prayers, and done 33 acts of caring or kindness for our neighbors. Um, and friends, that's, that's a great start. I'm, I'm excited where this is going. As a, as, a, as a church, we can track individually who is praying. And, and I was excited to see everybody's love and dedication to their neighbors as they're praying. And so far, our first impressions leader, who happens to be my wife, is like the most devoted so far to prayer. She had like 104-something prayers already for her neighbors. And uh, also, then there's Chris Couture, who's just a little bit behind her, and Nigel, our prayer leader. Their their numbers are stacking up, so good job in in showing love and kindness to your neighbor. Uh, Friends, I hope you'll get involved in this great way to obey Jesus and move forward in faith and faithfulness in 2023. does anybody here have a, uh, a God story about something that happened to them? Real quickly, anybody have a God story that because they were praying? Any, any like, you know, something happened because you're praying yet? Any, I'm sure they're going to come, but does anybody have one yet? Well, if you don't have one yet, email us during the week at info at, at and share stories that do happen if you get the opportunity to connect with a new neighbor or, or, or have a gospel conversation or, you know, something neat happens, you have the opportunity to pray for one of them, you know, share that with us. Um, you know, for this series, I'm taking one word each week from our mission statement and focusing on it, and our word this week is discover. And, and John and I, we were very intentional in choosing the word discover. We, we live in a place in the world where most people actually are very far from God. You know, from some research I did a, a, a few years ago and my experience in serving this community for over 25 years, I would say that 96% of the 100,000 people 
who live within five miles of our church are lost. They do not have uh, an eternal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's not just here in Plainfield. That's typical of the Chicagoland area. Now, 85% in this area would identify themselves as Christian. But according to uh, research organizations like Pew Research and Barna Research Group, most do not practice discipleship habits that Jesus would have encouraged his disciples to practice. Things like reading God's word, praying with others, spending time in fellowship with other believers, investing um, in other people through discipleship and attending Bible study, and then giving to support the work of the gospel. You know, if people even do attend church in this area, typically it's one time per month at, at best. You know, most people's identification with Christ in this area is more historical. It was the faith they were raised in, and that's why they identify Christian, but not in practice. And, you know, the stats for the next generation are much worse. Um, people from about 13 years old to 25, uh, the Gen Xers, Xers are, um, or is that Gen Y? I forget. 40 million of them um, in our country are completely lost, completely lost. They have no real knowledge or belief in Christ. Um, and what this group does know about Jesus is often what the media tells them, which is often not very positive and often not true. You know, and I was so proud of our, our leaders, uh, Natasha and Cleone and Abdu and Jason and Emil, um, at the lock-in this last weekend. We had uh, 18 kids involved in our, our lock-in activities, and... Uh, Eight of those kids did not attend Crosswinds, um, and so kudos to, to Jonah and James and, and uh, ZNA and, and, and Kaylee and uh, Kaylee Kortz uh, for inviting their friends, and so they had friends here that, that got to hear the gospel as Abdu uh, uh, did a great job uh, preaching it and uh, Emil did a great job singing it, and uh, I just thank you to all of our leaders who lost a lot of sleep. Um, on Friday night, and uh, to, to, for the gospel. And, uh, uh, you know, the Bible would call someone who does not know Jesus lost. Luke 19, uh, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, we did not choose to use that word lost in our mission statement because it is biblical, but it often offends those who are lost to call them lost. That's according to the research I read as we, we started this church. People today don't consider themselves lost. And using that term starts to create a barrier to reaching people outside the church. And also, when you think about it, Jesus in scriptures, he sent his disciples to the lost sheep of Israel. He sent his disciples first to the church because the truth was, for many of them, they had become lost and they were now far from God. And I, and I think all people, including believers, can feel lost at, 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 at times. You know, Isaiah, the prophet, who you could hardly call lost or far from God, said this in the presence of God. He says, Woe to me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, God is so awesome. He is so holy that when we are in his presence, we all can kind of feel lost. And when we truly discover his true glory, you know, but often telling someone they're lost, especially if they don't know they are, is, is not fruitful 
because it can feel as if we're coming above them. And discipling people is actually coming alongside them. The reality is most people are on a spiritual continuum. They're, they're either moving away from God or, or they're moving towards God or they're stuck in their understanding of him. And we need to help them to, to journey continually to continue to discover a deeper relationship with him. You know, the Bible only uses the word lost a, a, a few times, but it uses another week word often, uh, maybe a hundred times, the word seek. And, and this word seek that God uses is a word to encourage us uh, to get to know him. And so we, we chose this word discover for our mission statement because it is a more modern and, and more friendly to those who are seeking. We believe the more you discover who God really is, the more you will love him and you will want to obey him. You know, my, my pastor, when I was learning about God, used to always say this. He used to say, God is better than anything else in all the world. And see, religion often tries to motivate people by the fear of loss. But I believe God actually seeks to motivate people by gain. Jesus came to preach the good news, not the bad news. Telling someone they're lost is bad news. While, while telling someone that they are loved by God and, and he's wanting them to discover him and that he's seeking to find them, and, and, and that's good news. And, and, and there are many who are far from God that, that feel a relationship with him would, would limit them or, or take away from their lives. They think God's main goal is to take away behaviors called sin, which are often things they enjoy. But one of my favorite verses in the Bible says this in Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what that verse is saying is, what the desire of our heart is, is God. And if we delight in him, he will give us the best thing in this world, which is himself. See, God is infinite and good, and there's always more good than you could discover about him. God is not stingy trying to take things away from our life, not trying to take good things away from our lives. He's actually trying to add to our life. Jesus said this in John 10.10, 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. See, the more we discover about God, the more we learn that he wants good for us, uh, the more we, we, we grow in him. So we want people to discover who God is. Having faith is discovering and believing that God has good for you. Many people believe because of their sin, um, God cannot do good for them. But friends, that's religion, not a relationship where you discover that God always wants the best for you. That's why he doesn't want you in sin. Hebrews eleven six says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. That's why we want people to discover God. Seeking is actually what takes away our sin. Do you realize that? Seeking is what takes away our sin, not trying to be sinless. You've often maybe heard me say around here, if you do the do, you won't do the don't. Repentance is turning to God and leaving your sin behind for something better. Sin falls away as we discover and pursue something better in life. And, but that's definitely not how the media and the world and even often the religious 
talk about God. You know, especially in our modern world today, um, people need to actually discover who God is, that, that, that he is for them and that he's not against them. That he does not need to uh, uh, take away from their lives, but he's there to give to their lives. Brothers and sisters, that's why we as disciples must come alongside our neighbors and help them discover God. Notice I said discover him. See, I, 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 and I, I said discover God, not church. See, I believe most in our culture right now today have a negative opinion of the church. And if you ask them first to come to church, most will find an excuse not to go. You know, especially today, those in the Gen Z group are not looking for a better church. So you offer them a church, they're just not interested. But they are, according to research, lonely. They're looking for good relationships. And you can help them discover the best one, which is God. If you're patient and you're willing to come alongside them and help them discover who he is, that they might fall in love with him. See, discipleship is helping people discover God, his love, and all of his amazing ways. And we are called to make disciples who have discovered God is better than anything else in all the world. Not to create people who are afraid of God, afraid of a God who wants to destroy them. You know, I've met so many people over the years that don't want to even come into our church building because they feel so sinful. They share with me that the roof would fall in on them if they walked in the door. But the truth is, God would be joyful if they walked in. Because he knows that's an opportunity where they could discover who he really is. That he has already dealt with their sin problem, and, and he wants to set them free from it. He's not looking for them to make some great sacrifice. He has made the greatest sacrifice for them. And if they discover that and believe it, that will give them more joy and peace than they can understand. You know, for the rest of my time today, I, I would like us to look at a few parables from Jesus in Matthew 13. Verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. In 45, it says, again, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a fine pearls. And who, finds, and, and who finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. First, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. What do you want to do with a treasure? You want to discover it, don't you? The, the man in the parable finds this great treasure, and he covers it up. And if it's so great, why does he cover it up? Well, in ancient times, uh, that was many people safe. They would bury their treasures out in their farm field to protect them from thieves. And, and so if you, you dug up something in a field, legally it was considered property of, of the owner of that field. So if you just took it, you'd be considered a thief. And the man here discovers a great treasure in God's kingdom, and with excitement, he goes home and he sells everything he owns so that he can buy the field and take possession of the treasure that has brought his heart so much joy. You know, the man 
joyfully gives up what he formerly thought was his treasure for something better. God is better than anything else in all the world. And as his disciples, we need to help people discover the treasure of God's promises found in his gospel. Jesus says the gospel or the kingdom of heaven is like this. In the parable, uh, the treasure is like God's grace. It's, it's found free. You didn't pay anything to find the treasure. Our work in discovering the, is, our work is actually discovering the true value of the treasure. That's the work of a disciple, to, to understand the true value of the treasure. We, we don't buy our way into the kingdom. That's not why the man sells all his stuff to earn his way into the kingdom. He joyfully gets rid of anything that would prevent him from having the greatest treasure, the kingdom. And, and what he sacrifices in his old life is nothing compared to what he will gain by purchasing the field. The man has discovered something of more value than what he already owns. Disciples, is that how you approach discipling others? By showing them the value of the kingdom? And do you do that by showing them the value of the kingdom in your own life? If we disciple people by only telling them about the kingdom, it's not as valuable as when somebody sees you respond to the kingdom. Some of us, um, you know, only want the treasure of the kingdom when we buy the farm someday when we die. And that does not show people the treasure of the field. What shows them that there is treasure is when you start to let go of your old life to have something of more value. Helping people discover God, his love, and his ways, friends, is not a have to. I shouldn't have to encourage you guys with candy. It's not a, a have to. It's something we get to do if God is our true treasure. If, if God is your treasure, you want to be at church. You, you want to read his word. You want to disciple others. You want to give to his mission. You're excited to pray for your neighbors so that they can also have what's best. But if everything else in your life is, is more important, and you say you don't have the time, have you really bought the field? Have you really bought the field? Do you have an urgency right now because the opportunity could be lost if you don't? I mean, if the man didn't buy the, the field right away, somebody else could buy the field, or the owner could decide not to sell. The treasure could be lost. Is what you have now worth the risk of losing true treasure? If it is, do you personally need to discover more about the value of the treasure that is better than anything else in all the world? You know, we, we discover and remember how valuable the treasure is by Reading his word, there's in the app in the back of the table, there's reading guides. Are you, do you have a reading guide? Are you reading through the scriptures every day? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, happy, 
and satisfied are, are those that read God's word. If you're not satisfied in life right now, is it possible you're distracted by clinging to the wrong treasure? Do you have the wrong treasure in your focus? The news, Netflix, uh, the view? Is that uh, more important than knowing the promises of God to you? Do you make uh, making money, maintaining your stuff, or building your career more important than serving God? You know, Jesus says serving a, a bad investment instead of buying the field could be dangerous. He says, um, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, tr- for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Notice the problem is with the heart, with what you love. Jesus told us his greatest commandment in life was to treasure something. What were we to treasure? The greatest commandment. What were we to treasure? God, our neighbors, and ourselves. More than anything in this earth. The second parable about the pearl is, is very similar to the first one. The only difference between the two really is that in one case, the treasure is just found. It's stumbled upon. And the other, it's being sought. You know, many people we have gospel conversations with, are, they're not looking for treasure. They may already feel satisfied with what they have. But if you help them discover its value, then they will desire it. And then there's others that are they're looking for it. But maybe they're, they're looking for this love in all the wrong places. They're looking for value. They're looking for love in life, but, but they're looking in the wrong places. And when you finally help them discover true treasure in God, they will sell all they have to possess it because they will know that he is better than anything else, any other value that they have found. But I want you to see in both cases, action was, was taken immediately. Because the value is so great, neither, neither um, person in the story wanted to risk losing what their ha- heart now treasures. You know, at Crossland's, we, we believe the Bible teaches that once the treasure is found, it, it, it cannot be lost. Once we discover the treasure, part of what we find is the treasure is pursuing us. See, Jesus came, came in to seek and save the lost, which is us. This means the treasure of his grace is secure. The Bible says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. Once the treasure has been discovered and, and you decide to give up all that you have to purchase it, and it will be guarded not just by you, but by God himself. Part of the treasure is he desires you to have the treasure as much as you desire to have the treasure. He, he desired it so much he was willing to come and find you, to give up his life for you, and then be raised to life again to secure it forever for you. 
The Bible says this in Romans 8, 37 through 39. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He, he, he treasures you. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor anything present, nor anything to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that verse says that nothing in creation can separate you. Friends, are you part of creation? Are you created? So even on a bad day, or any future sin on that day, that will not separate you from the love of God? If he, in fact, is your treasure? The question is, is he your treasure? Is it your priority and your joy to do whatever it takes to acquire that field? It's not about praying a prayer in third grade and then being content to keep the treasure buried until you die or, or for some future day that you feel you need a little security. If you believe that that treasure is in the field, then you go get it. Even if you don't feel you're worthy of it or, or if it's worthy to go to the trouble, to possess it. You, you go for it. If you've never really discovered or believed it's worth it, and your life demonstrates that you're not willing to risk losing earthly treasures, do you really have it? Or, or are you really lost in your apathy and you don't own the treasure? You're, you're stuck on the continuum, actually, feeling like you have something you actually don't. If you, if you come to the church every once in a while, and you only pray when real trouble comes, have you discovered the treasure? Have you purchased it? Or are you stuck and really don't own the treasure? Instead, are you pursuing many other lesser pearls of life? Family, work, knowledge, power, religion, and stuff. You've not put your affections on the one true pearl of great value. You know, you may be sold out to your religion, to your boss, to your family, to your recreation, but not to the one who died to purchase you. Friends, that's not saving faith. Apathy is not an option for salvation. God's word says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Friends, a continually divided and distracted heart is dangerous. It is the heart that seeks that will find true treasure. Now, in, in both parables, it, it is a process. The man has to sell all that he has. It, it takes some time. Choices have to be made. Prices have to be negotiated. But the focus of the heart is on the gain of the treasure. There, there's a decision to, to move forward in faith and faithfulness to God. 
We, we believe that the Bible teaches eternal security. From the time that you believe that there is a treasure in the field until the time that you have fully purchased it, you are saved. You know, there may be some setbacks in your journey, but you're saved because of what you treasure and the one you truly treasure. I, I, I like ter- the, the term perseverance of the saints much better than the words eternal security because we persevere constantly to seek ultimate treasure as we go through the, the trials uh, of, to obtain the field. We are constantly discovering his goodness even through the trials of life, helping us to forsake the things of this life to obtain the prize. The, the word disciple comes from disciplining or discipline. We need to discipline ourselves to keep our eyes and our heart on the treasure. You know, apathy and status quo are not an option for the saint who perseveres and obtains the prize. Our sinful desires and the devil want to entangle us and, and, and to make us settle in life for lesser treasure. But a true disciple constantly seeks. He continues to discover the goodness of God and his eternity is preserved by it. God's word says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. All sin is against God. Beloved, this is why I'm encouraging you to memorize the the great commandment and, and the great commission so that you, this church, will seek him with all your heart and and that you will help others to do so. Honestly, if you know what's on tonight on Netflix better than his word, there's a heart problem. If you know your bank balance and your account numbers and you do not know his word, there's a heart problem. If, If you know the players and the scores of all your favorite teams and you do not know the word, there's a dangerous heart problem going on. You are God's treasure. And he desires you to have eternal treasure, but you must be willing to give all of your heart to discover that treasure in your life right now. Friends, don't believe that apathy can save you. Is your life about pursuing and discovering him more and learning more about his goodness? The Bible says, Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and be blessed. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. You you will be happier in this life if, if you continue to discover God and his goodness. And it will give you security. It will give you security to your eternal soul. Whoever gets, gets sense loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good, Proverbs 19.8. Another way 
to look at these parables um, is to look at it from Jesus' example to us. In the earlier parable, Jesus, uh, in, in Matthew 30, he describes the field as the world. And, and he sells all that he has so that he might purchase it. He, he, he gives his very life on the cross to purchase us from the ruler of this world, the devil. Because we are found to be his treasure, and he wants us to treasure him. Jesus is the merchant who came searching for a great pearl of great value, which is you, which is each of you. And when he found you, it was his and the Father's greatest priority, so much that he gave his life. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus did everything to purchase you. The Son of God was not apathetic. He, he loved you. He, he treasured you. And he gave his life for you. And then on the third day, he rose again to prove the field had been purchased. And now you eternally belong to him. But friends, that's not universal. Jesus tells us that in the third parable. Verse 47, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and soared the good into containers, but threw away the bad. And so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The net of God's love has been cast upon everyone because, friends, we are his treasure. And he seeks to catch us all. But on the last day, we will be sorted. And the good will be kept and the bad will be thrown away. And friends, what makes us good? What our heart treasures. What our heart treasures. We must treasure him. We must believe that God exists and rewards those who seek him. The bad are, are those who do not repent and turn from what they treasure in this world and seek him with all their heart. He separates the evil from the righteous. The Bible says we all sin, so we all sin. We all do evil at times. And, and sin separates us from God, and, and sin makes us all deserve death and hell. But the Bible also says the righteous will live by faith. Faith is constantly discovering and believing in the goodness of God. And this requires us to treasure him above all else. The evil are those who treasure what is evil. Jesus says this in Luke 10.45, A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friends, this morning, what is your confession Apathy or commitment? In the last parable, there is a, a picture of hell, and it's described as the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, which is a word picture of deep, eternal regret. Urgh! I could have had the best, but I treasured the wrong thing in life. Urgh! Total frustration forever. Beloved, today, discover true treasure in life. 
Discover a relationship with your creator. Discover him in his word each day. Discover him in his people every day. Discover him in his mission every day. And you will have his treasure, his love eternally. You will have the gift of everlasting life to continue to enjoy him. Beloved, don't be fooled. Apathy will leave you saying, I could have had abundant life. I could have had eternal joy. Friends, God treasures you. And he desires that none should perish. So this is your choice. The, the question is, will you turn and discover treasure in him and buy the field? Come follow him today and, and, and let him teach you to be a fisher of men and women because he treasures them. He gave his own son for them. Repent, leave apathy behind. Start reading his word daily and, and, and continue to discover that treasure and all his promises to you. Use them. Use those promises in your heart to point others to true treasure and help them discover real and abundant life in Christ. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you first treasured us. And Lord, that you revealed that treasure to us through your son and his promises. Father, help us to turn from apathy today. We know that if the devil can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. Father, too many of us are distracted from our time with you. We're, we're distracted from serving you by the things of this world. Father, help us to return to true treasure. Help us to leave behind the shiny things of this earth, the things that we love that are not eternal, and turn back to you, the eternal God. Father, let there be a new spirit of repentance in this place, a returning to our first love. Father, if there's anybody here today that has not turned and believed upon you and what your son did for them to come and live and die and be raised again, Father, let them believe today in your goodness that you want none to perish and, and that you treasure them and, and, and if they will treasure you, that you will be together for all eternity. And Father, help them rest in that today. Rest in that and continue to discover even more about your goodness. Father, bring a heart of repentance to this place. Let it be filled with all those out there that, that are standing around in apathy saying they believe, but, but they don't. Help us to draw them into this place. You cast a big net with your love. Father, let us be your net. And disciple those. Teach them about the treasure. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.